Praise God. I'm, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord for many reasons tonight. I don't know of a better place to be in the world than right here. I'm glad you're here. It is summertime and hopefully everybody will find their way back home at some point. And I'm sure that, um, that will be the case. I would like for you to join in prayer with me tonight. I, I really, uh, two things that we want to pray about. Obviously, we want to pray that God would give favor on our plans. Uh, we are, as far as I know, our package has been presented to the um, board that approves the loans. And they're going over that information now. And we're just praying that God will give us favor. They're interested in numbers and all of those things. And I know they look with the eye of flesh. But I pray God would help them to see something more than just earthly numbers. But they could see the hand of God and they would understand uh, the need and uh, give us uh, that approval that we need. And if not there, then somewhere else. But let's stretch our hands out one more time toward these plans. Lord, we love you tonight. We're grateful that you have a purpose for all of us. Lord, that your purpose was established from the foundations of the earth. There would be a church in the world. There would be a church in the earth. And Lord, I'm thankful that we can be a part of that. We're asking you, God, to lay your hands upon our future. We do not want to direct our affairs. We want you to direct them. We ask you to lead us, Lord, and direct us and give us favor. God, I ask you, God, to give us favor with those who are working tonight in our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. On our trip, we had the privilege of uh, having breakfast one morning with a young man that went to Texas Bible College and has now moved into the ministry. And I was not only with him, Brother Stephen Williams, Hill area, and we were able to rendezvous with him, Brother Stephen Williams. Some of you may know him or may have remembered him from Texas Bible College. Great young man. And I felt an overwhelming burden just a few moments ago that we need to take a moment and pray for him. He is in a church situation, and I I hope they will edit this out, but um, church situation that for many years, probably 35 years, uh, maybe not quite that long, but it, it was a long period of time. They had not seen one person receive the Holy Ghost in their midst. And since he has been there, uh, within the first couple of months, they prayed their first person through to the Holy Ghost, and it has ignited something in that church. And I would pray that God would just send an overwhelming move of His Spirit in Mobile, Alabama, Would you pray with me for Brother Stephen Williams right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you see every battle that's being fought. Lord, you purchased 
the victory for all of it at Calvary. Satan is already defeated, and I pray, God, that you will empower your people to understand that, and that you have a purpose and a design for their lives, and that you will anoint them and bless that church, and give them great revival, and move in a mighty, mighty way. I'm asking it, Lord, not for our sake, but for your glory. Touch Brother Williams tonight, and anoint him with a special anointing of your presence. In the name of Jesus, let it be so, let it be done tonight. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You have your Bibles for a few moments. We're going to go back to the book of Acts. We're going to continue our reading through the month of August in the in the book of Acts, but uh, for the time, we're going to conclude our series that we began the 1st of June. And tonight, I just want to try to wrap everything up, if if at all possible. It's good to have Brother and Sister Hibbler tonight with us, longtime friends of our church family. We're glad that they're here. Acts chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 31. Acts chapter 4, verse number 31. The Bible said, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Verse 32 said, And the multitude of them that believed, the multitude of them that believed, I don't know how many a multitude consists of, but in my estimation, the writer was trying to convey the idea that everybody, the whole church, the whole body was engaged and involved in this. He said, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. I love that. One heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. He, he did not lay claim to even the things that belonged to him, but they had all things common. And with great power, I would, that you would underscore that. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Amen. The world at its worst needs a church at its best. Would you say that with me one more time? The world 
at its worst needs a church at its best. That has been the pursuit of our studies over the last few weeks. Tonight, I hope that we can bring it all together. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know that I can fully describe to you tonight the way I feel. I I came in here early this afternoon and laid down before the Lord to pray, and there was something that moved deep inside of me, a hunger like I have not felt in a long, long time. I was reminded of something that I picked up when we were in Europe in the spring in Prague. We visited several Jewish synagogues, one of the oldest synagogues in Europe that still is a functional building and still much activity. But one of the areas they sold gifts that were um, part of the Jewish culture and the, and the Jewish worship. And there was one area of the, the exhibit that we went through. They had these large things like this, but much larger. When I say large, I mean two and three feet long. And they were some of the most elaborately designed things. I had, I had no idea what they were when we first looked at them and all of them had had a little hand at the end of them with a finger pointing. And I thought, how strange. What a what an odd fixture. And, and then our guide began to explain what they were. They were called yods, or they were Torah pointers. That when the Torah was brought out to be read... Uh, in in the synagogue, they were not allowed to touch the, the, the parchment, but they would take the pointer and they would point at the scripture and they would use that as the guide to lead them. And I looked at that and I thought, what a what a what a, a reference that there is <clears throat> to the respect that these people had toward the Word of God that had been given to them, although it was limited to just the, the books of the law. There was still such a, a reverence to them. And there were other reasons why they used it, because the parchment uses easily absorb, uh, absorb the oils from the hand, and after many uses, they would be uh, smudged and, and would not be usable. But more than that was a sense of reverence that came over them when they partook of the Word of God, when they read it, there was a sense of respect for that Word. They feared the Lord, and they had such respect for God that they would not even touch the Word, but merely use the pointer as a means of helping direct their eyes so they could read the Torah to uh, the congregation and I, I looked at those things and I thought, Lord, I, I would that we could be captured by that kind of reverence when it comes to this book, that it could become more than just a book, but it would begin again to be uh, in our mind the 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 word of the living God, the one and only God, and. I feel that kind of reverence tonight when I come to the book of Acts. Over the last few weeks and 
reading through the book of Acts and reading through it from various translations, I, I have sensed a reverence that has be, that, that has begun to grow in my spirit and my heart, and I would that I could pass that along to you, but I feel something when I'm reading the book of Acts. I I feel like I'm I'm reconnecting to uh, our our heritage and who we are, and I'm 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 not just reading it to re uh recite what happened in history but i am hungry for what happened there i'm hungry for what it details in every chapter and today when i began to look back over the past few weeks and the studies that we've done in the book of acts i i i was stirred afresh with a deeper hunger to capture whatever spirit whatever there is that is within this book and within especially the book of Acts that it would capture me and that my thoughts and my desires and my motives would all be regulated by what I find in the Word of God. And we're going to continue to read, though we may conclude our series tonight. I want to tell you that there is something that God is trying to reveal to us that I believe is of great importance. And when I look at Acts, it gives me a glimpse of the church at its best. And it is that church that I long to rediscover and I want to see, I want to see birthed in us. And I am seeing it in many ways, but I want to see it in even a greater fashion. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about a lot of things. Unity and prayer and being full of the Holy Ghost and led of the Holy Ghost and witnesses and passionate and intentional uh, efforts that were made in, in their reaching the world and the valuing of right things and the hunger for more and and a message that reaches the heart, and the right sound that should come from this place, and the right spirit that should pervade the atmosphere. And we've talked about walking in the fear of God, and and understanding the importance of lordship over leadership, that it really doesn't matter who's in charge, as long as the Lord is the one who is at the head of it all. And I believe that that is important for us tonight. But... But in particular tonight, I, I want you to consider with me that there is a law in our world that is known as the law of deterioration and decline, which affects all things in this fallen world. As time goes by, it is inevitable that things are going to deteriorate and they're going to wear down and wear out. And they're going to decline. It is inevitable. You cannot keep it from happening. As much as I would like to reverse that trend in some ways, I am not getting younger. I am getting older. And I'm, I'm not getting more hair on my head. I'm losing more every day. And it just happens that as we move through this fallen world, we see things begin to deteriorate and decline. And 
And, and so it is, and so it seems to have been even in the church that would soon come to this New Testament church that we read about in Acts. There would come divisions that would cloud the church. And you will read about it in the epistles of Paul and Peter's writing and James writing to the New Testament church. You would read about the personalities that rose up and caused uh, followers to be attracted to them because of their personalities and jealousies that came up in the church and began to divide and even false teaching that began to creep in and cause separation. But in the book of Acts, those things had not seemed to have happened yet. It had not come to that place. They were in that initial state of of pureness and there was something about that early church that 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 made you want to recapture whatever it was that made them great and at this moment as we read in acts chapter 4 we we see the church not affected by jealousy and not affected by false teachings or not affected by some strong personality or divided by some difference, but we see them united and we see them moving together in the community of people and 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 making such a powerful impact. And we see the church in 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 a powerful way in this early glimpse. It was united in every way. It was uh, that that unity was not a a byproduct of some uh, movement or some ideology, but it was the result of the Holy Ghost that was in them, and they were consumed by it. And when I read this passage uh, over the last few days, and in particular today, when I read this particular passage that we read from tonight in Acts 4, I was moved by the statement that was made. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. I do not think it a coincidence that Scripture describes them in these terms. Because I think and believe it was these terms that helped define what came out of that and that was the great power and the great grace that was upon them all. I began to go through different translations. The NCV version said the group of believers were united in their hearts and spirit. The NET version said the group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. The CEV version says the group of followers all felt the same way about everything. The NIRV, New International Version, all are agreed in heart and mind. When I read those words, something, something got a hold of me. There, 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 there's, there, there's nowhere that this kind of commonwealth thinking or commonwealth uh, idea was advocated as a rule or a practice of faith, and yet it was the natural outcome. They, they had 
things that they could share, and so they shared them. They they were a caring congregation of people, and they were a sharing congregation of people. And because of that, the Bible said there were no needs that went unmet. Isn't that amazing that a church could be in that kind of spiritual relationship with God that there would not be a need in the congregation that was not felt and because it was felt, it was ministered to, it was taken care of. That didn't come because they got together all of the leaders of the church and said we got to address this issue or we got to address that issue. It came out as a result of their minds and their hearts being focused on one thing. Amen. One thing. Something happened that affected their minds and their heart. The heart spoke of their affections, their desires, their emotions. The mind spoke of their thinking, their view, their perspective, their philosophy of life. And something had happened that had reached both of those, their heart and their mind, were so affected by what was going on that that it, it, it transformed them and it turned them uh, into a people that were conscious of the needs that were around them. And there was such compassion toward others that they could not allow anyone to go needing something. And so they brought their own goods. Nobody told them to do that. There was no rule. There was no law. Nobody told them they had to go sell all their goods and give all the money. But it came as a byproduct of this captured heart and mind. Their their spirit was so consumed with one thing that they were willing to do this ultimate thing of sacrifice. Something happened. The heart and the mind was so affected by it, it transformed the way they lived. It transformed the way they viewed things. It would be amazing if something like that could happen to me. I'm not asking for it to happen to you, but I am praying that God will help. I want it to happen to me. That my heart and my mind would be so captured by this one thing that it would affect the way I view things. The things that we have to have, the things that we we work our fingers to, things that we think we have to have to be happy, the things that we work our fingers to the bone to get, and we do all we can to hold on to them. I want God to capture my heart with something so powerful that it transforms the way I look at things, that things do not hold me. I hold them. And I'll have to tell you tonight, I'm not sure I could say that about my life right now. Because I have a lot of things just like you do. And I love my things. I love everything we've got. I love everything God's blessed us to be able to get. But I'm being honest with you tonight. I, I am praying for something to happen in my own heart that will change the way I view things so that things do not possess me, but I possess those things. And when I possess them, it's not hard to give them away. But when they possess me, 
Oh, it's a whole different story. And that's why it's so hard to give when there's a need. It's it's so hard to give. And, and we can find a million reasons not to do it. Well, you know, they'll just waste the money. They'll just blow. Why, why are you doing that? They'll just, they'll go squander it. On, it doesn't matter. That That's not even the point. The point is the problem with my culture, the problem with your culture is that we are consumed with the possession of things. The only problem is those things possess us. We do not possess them. And something had happened in that New Testament church. They had become so affected by something. One thing really had so impacted their life that it changed the way they viewed things. And because of that, there was no problem in them letting it go. There was no problem in it being taken away from them. It was no problem if they didn't have it any longer. I wonder tonight how many of us sitting here, including myself, If all of a sudden all the things that we have to have to live and be happy, if a bunch of them just disappeared, how happy we would still be. I wonder if I could still come to church, Brother Clyde T., and sit up here on this front row and jump up and down and clap my hands and thank God for His blessings and goodness. I would think, I would like to think that I would. But I'll be honest with you. A few troubles that I've had over the last few days, I found out I wasn't as prayed through as I need to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know what the truth is? Some of you aren't as prayed through as you need to be either. But something had happened to this church. Something had so affected their lives that it changed the way they looked at things. Now, I don't believe God has a problem with us having things. Abraham was a millionaire. By all standards of our modern culture, Abraham was a multi-millionaire with all the possessions that God blessed him with. Those things didn't mean that God was able to bless him like that is because Those things didn't possess Abraham. Abraham possessed them. That's why when God spoke to him and said, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to take him to the mountain and sacrifice him to me. That Abraham didn't argue with God. He didn't go back to prayer to try to make sure if he understood that God was said what he said. You know, how many times we pray for God to give us an answer, and when God gives us an answer, we keep going back, God, that's not the answer that I was wanting. Can you change your mind? But Abraham lived in such a relationship with God that when God said, okay, I'm going to test your resolve. I want you to bring me the most prized possession you have, that boy, that only son. You go read the scripture. God makes mention that it's your only son. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Abraham never argued with God. 
He simply turned to his servant and began giving the order to make ready for the journey. I wonder how many of us tonight could do that. I wonder if I could do that. I would like to think that I am close enough to God and I'm spiritual enough that I could, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I'm there yet. But I want to get there. Because I'm tired of things controlling me. I'm tired of life being governed and regulated by how many things I have. And if I don't have a few more things, I can get real grumpy. I'm just preaching to myself tonight. I'm not preaching to anybody else. But it affected how they viewed their things. And because it had so affected, they were not fearful to let. He owned nothing. This is the unique thing that happened. They realized that they owned nothing. They were simply stewards of things. And if that can ever happen in our life, I believe that opens the door for God to really bless us. Because God didn't take away from them, really. He magnified what they, everything that they gave, He gave back to them because the Bible said they had great power and great grace was on them all. They had favor everywhere they went. Even in a hostile environment, people loved them. Isn't that amazing? But they didn't own it. They were just stewards of it. And because of this mindset, it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Isn't it amazing what could happen if an apostolic revival were to really sweep through our midst? Not just our church, but our organization. If a true apostolic revival moved through our organization, the missionary that's coming this weekend wouldn't have to be doing what he's doing. He would already be back on the field. Amen. It affected not only how they viewed things, it affected how they viewed others. And this is more important than just things because their heart... And their mind had been so impacted by this one thing. It affected how they viewed one another. There were no big eyes and little you. There was nobody that was better than somebody else. It didn't matter that you lived on Rolls Royce Lane and somebody else lived in Podunk Corner. They were all the same when they stepped under the canopy of God's covering. It didn't matter where they lived. It didn't matter what their pedigree was. It didn't matter where they come from. It didn't matter what city they were out of. It didn't matter what their lineage was. It didn't matter what their pedigree was. When they stepped under the canopy of that church, they all stood on equal ground. There were no rich and poor. There were no educated and illiterate. They were all one. What a mighty, powerful church came out of that. It affected how they viewed one another and they treated one another as equals. Amen. 
They were not more favorable to those that had a little more and tolerated those that had a little bit less. But everybody was loved the same. Amen. I want that kind of spirit. You may not want it, but I want that kind of spirit. I want to be able to sit down with the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich and not feel ill at ease in either place because we all have one thing in common. We have one heart. We have one mind. There's one thing that we're after, one thing that we're pursuing. Amen. And because of this, because their heart and their minds had been so impacted by the power of God, great grace was on them all. Grace was powerfully at work in their midst. I don't even think any of us can even comprehend the powerful work of grace when it is fully functioning in a church. When my life is motivated by one thing, my life becomes powerful. It becomes mighty. And that one thing that motivated them all was a love for His cause. They were so in love with Him that it affected the way they thought about things. It affected the way they felt about other people. It affected the way their hearts were toward one another. When that happens, it's going to transform a body into a mighty army. And a revival that cannot be put out is going to come. Amen. When our motives are managed by the Holy Ghost. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I, I get tired of political wrangling. Not just in the, the culture that we live in, but even in, in organizational work. I get tired of all the political machinations that go on. I'd love for us to get back to the place where we had all things common. Amen. I would love to get back to where there was such a love for His cause that it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you came from. You were important in the eyes of God. There was a purity of heart and soul that marked them. I'll be honest with you, there was a time in my life where I felt like I had that. But as I've gotten older and as I've gone through life and experienced some things, I think I've lost a little bit of that purity. I'd like to get it back. I'd like to get back to the place where when I look at you and anybody else, all I see is the love of God and the goodness of God. I don't remember hurts. I don't remember things that's being said. I don't remember things that's been done All I see is that God loves a world and He gave Himself. And if He could love them, I need to know how to love them too. Amen. Because of that, great revival came. When my life is motivated by that one thing, that love for Him, it will affect my giving, my going, my doing, and my motives. My motive, why I do things. Amen. Some people do them so they get attention. It's amazing how many people show up 
at the right time when the political things are on the line. <laughs> you don't see a word or hear a word from them until it's time for election and all of a sudden they're everybody's friends. I'm not making fun tonight. I'm just saying we have become people that are pressured by the wrong thing. And we as a church need to be captured again by a purity of love that will so affect us that it changes the way we view one another. And we don't we don't see somebody across the church that we haven't talked to in a month or two months or a year or we work to avoid because we just clash. You know what? You get full enough of the Holy Ghost, God will take that clash out of you. Amen. <laughs> you get full enough of the Holy Ghost, you'll be able to go put your arms around them and say, you know what? I love you. Amen. I love you. Selfishness was washed out of that church. And self-centeredness was washed out of that church. God help me. I want that. I am serious tonight, church. I hunger for that. I want to get back. I, I would to God that I had the ability to go back when I first felt the call of God on my life and that sense of purity that I felt at that moment. I didn't know any bad stuff about anybody. I didn't know there were bad preachers. I didn't know there were bad churches. I thought everybody loved God. I thought everybody had the Holy Ghost. I thought everybody was going to heaven. You said, Brother you that's a real naive way to live. Well, let me be naive. But let me be full of the power of the book of Acts that transformed the world. Amen. You see, here's what I come to understand, and I'm going to close. And I'm going to say something that may rock your little boat a little bit, but you just digest it and think about it. But what moved that world was first a devotion, not just a doctrine. Now, please don't get me wrong. You understand tonight, and I'm telling you, doctrine is critical to what we believe. It is critical to the New Testament church. But before they could even comprehend doctrine, they were consumed with a devotion to Him. And that devotion is what made their doctrine powerful. It is not doctrine that makes our devotion powerful. It is devotion that makes our doctrine powerful. And we've gotten that all mixed up because we have the doctrine. We have the truth. And yet we are not affecting the world like the New Testament church affected the world. But when we get this thing right and our devotion is as powerful as our doctrine. Something's going to happen that will transform the world in which we live. What made them powerful in the beginning was a devotion to Him. They were so in love with Him that it affected the way they talked. It affected the way they viewed the world. It affected the way they viewed one another. It affected the way they viewed things. 
just, it changed everything. They were attracted to one thing, Jesus. Amen. Jesus, their love for him. I want to get back to that. I want to, I want to recapture that purity of spirit. I, I want, I, I'm trying, and I've got a whole lot to work on because I'm just like anybody else. I say things sometimes I shouldn't say. And I, I let my, I let my flesh get the best of me sometimes. But I, I want to, I do want to come to the place where my heart is right before Him. And I am so in love with Him that it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your pedigree, it doesn't matter your station in life, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done. I can love you and I can embrace you. I fear that we miss one of the most important parts of the New Testament church. We have not missed the doctrine. We've not missed the message. But we have lost the devotion. Because that they had that right, there was a display of great power in the church that gave them multitudes. Multitude. They were able to give powerful witness to the resurrection. Great things happened. While I was praying today, the Lord reminded me of seven churches in Asia. Most of them, the Lord had something to say about them. It was not good. Ephesus, great work, great labor, great patience, but you've left your first love. Repent. Do your first works. What do you mean? I mean, go back to the beginning. What captured you? Go back and recapture, let that recapture you again. Smyrna. Smyrna was a church that had lived under great tribulation, poverty, suffering, persecution. They were faithful unto death. The Lord had good things to say about them. Pergamos. He knew where they lived. They lived at Satan's seat. But knew that they held fast the name and they had not denied the faith. But he said, I have something against you because you've allowed the doctrine of Balaam and you've allowed the doctrine of the Nicolaitans to invade your congregation and influence your people. And I call you to repent. Get away from that. Thyra, Tyra, he said, I know your works, your charity, your service, your faith, your patience, your works, but you've let the spirit of Jezebel into your church and you're letting that spirit teach and influence your people. Sardis, he said, I know your works, and you have a name, but you're dead. They were spiritually dead. He said, remember, repent, hold fast. Philadelphia, he said, I know your works. And he repeats that later on. Again, he references their works. I know your works. And because of that, he said, I have set before you an open door that no man can shut. And then he comes to Laodicea. I know your works. I know what you think you are. 
I know how you estimate yourself. You're not rich like you think you are. And you're not as increased with goods as you think you are. You're just, you're lukewarm. You're not hot or cold. Because that I can't even stand to be around you. I don't even want to be associated with you. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. I was, I was thinking all these things this afternoon. I thought, oh God, please don't let me be a lay of sin. Don't let me be deceived into thinking that I have everything when I have nothing. Don't let me be deceived into thinking because I have riches or because I have things or because I have this or that, that I am blessed when in truth I am naked and I am wretched and I am miserable and blind and poor. God, I want to be like Philadelphia. I want to be a church where there's a door that's open that no man can shut. And the only way that can happen is if our works correspond with His Word. Amen. What would happen tonight if we as a church could begin to capture all of these things that we've talked about and begin to incorporate them into our life on a regular basis? What would happen to the church if we could truly get back to living for God like the book of Acts talks about? I'm going to tell you what would happen. We would turn our world upside down just like they turned their world upside down. Amen. Perhaps I am naive tonight to think that I can recapture that spirit. But let me be naive. Don't, don't discourage me because I'm hungry for a return to that kind of living for God. I, I want that innocence of spirit. I want that purity of motive. I want my heart and my mind to agree on what really matters. You see, that's the conflict that most of us are involved in right now. We can get one of them to agree, but we can't get both of them to agree. We know what we believe. We'll never, I'm never going to. But my heart may be somewhere else. My mind is set, but my heart is being affected by something else. I, I still like too many things in the world. I like to look too much like the world. I don't want the world to think that I'm as different as I am. But this church had both of those in agreement. They were both tied together as one. And that made for a powerful, powerful church. And the scripture describes it, that they gave great, there was great power that was given to the message of the resurrection. There was great anointing. There was great fervor. And there was great favor. Grace was on them. The the goodness of God was all over them, everywhere they went. And I am convinced tonight, if I can get my heart and my mind tied together and, and reaching for the same thing, there's going to be a mighty, mighty revival that's going to come in my life. Would you stand with me tonight? Amen. I long for that purity. 
Would to God that we could all pray through until that kind of love and devotion would flow from us all. That we would love everybody. You know, there was an old song they used to sing, Give Me That Old Time Religion. Amen. Give me that old time religion. Why? Because it makes me love everybody. Amen. Makes me love everybody. Give me that old time. Give me that book of Acts kind of experience. Amen. I want to pray through, church. I'm I'm trying to pray through. I want you to help me pray through. I, I need I got some stuff I need to get out of my mind and my spirit. There's some things I need to let go of and just quit worrying about. Anybody else here with me? Feel like you you got some stuff you'd like to get rid of? Old jealousies, old bitternesses, old hatreds, old things, just hurts. Come on, church. We cannot be powerful and hang on to that stuff. I cannot be effective. And I believe one of the things that's hindered my own ministry is because there have been too much conflict in my mind and in my heart. And I think it's the same for all of us. Oh God, help me to recapture that love for you that's so consuming, that's so consuming that that's all I see. Amen. Amen. Makes me love everybody. Amen. Makes me love everybody. Amen. Give me that old time. Give me that book of Acts kind of experience. My devotion would match my doctrine. Amen. Would you love the Lord with me right now? Hallelujah. Oh Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you for your grace and goodness.